You're listening to Clearing the Haze, episode number 67. Listener question, how do we get the donor to give us the synthetic urine they brought into our facility? Keeping today's workplace drug-free should not be confusing. This is the Clearing the Haze podcast, giving you the tools you need to most effectively address drug and alcohol use and decreased productivity in the workplace while investing in your positive company image. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Clearing the Haze. I'm your host, Chuck Marting. Hey, you know, we get a lot of questions that come in uh, from listeners of the program, and a lot of them are really good questions that we bring to you here on the podcast to go over and to see what we can do to help listeners in some of the questions and some of the circumstances they find themselves in. So the question that we're going to go over this week is one that we get quite a bit uh, from listeners, and that is they have individuals that will come into their facility and through the testing process, they discover that the individual is using synthetic urine. They may even have the individual admit to them that they brought in synthetic urine into the into the testing area. But when asked to give the collector what they brought into the facility, they won't give it to them. Or they tell them they didn't bring anything in, or they deny that they have anything on them that they used to bring the synthetic urine into the restroom. So it becomes a very frustrating thing for the collector. It becomes frustrating even for the client because there's really nothing that the individual has given them other than just saying, yeah, I cheated on my test. So in and of itself, that you can still act on. But getting what they brought into the facility is just the cherry on the sundae. It it ends up being the one thing that's something that they can't refute, something they cannot argue about, something they can't deny because you've got it from them. And it also helps you as a collector, once you get that, to be able to take a picture of it, to include it with your paperwork that you turn into the lab or the MRO, uh, showing them what it is. Not only did the person admit to cheating, but they also gave you what they brought into the facility. So for a lot of people, that becomes a real challenge. So how do you get these individuals to do this? Well, what we have found through training through the the process of helping people in recovering and recognizing when synthetic urine is used in their facility is helping them to recover that. Now, there are a couple things that we have found that have prevented collectors from being able to do that. The first one, obviously, is not wanting to confront somebody. We're in a position where Unfortunately, sometimes we're going to have to confront individuals regarding their conduct or what they've brought into our facility, things like that. And so if you have a collector or somebody that's not used to having to become confrontational with somebody or know how to talk to somebody in a confrontation, 
this can become a real challenge. You have people that are introverts that have a hard time talking, let alone having to confront somebody. Sometimes people are scared to do this because they envision a confrontation that's going to become physical or become really abusive really quick. So part of this answer that I'm going to give you today is, is in how we train our people or individuals that have us come out and train their staff on how to recover this, what we teach them. So remember, you don't have to be confrontational with an individual. You don't have to be argumentative with them. You don't have to raise your voice. This is all in your court at this point. We already know based on the things that we have that this specimen is a synthetic specimen. So now we're going to talk to this individual. So that is the part that you need to have the individual collector understand ahead of time how are they going to present themselves. What are they going to do to kind of diffuse this situation from the beginning so it doesn't become confrontational? Because I can tell you that if you go in there and right away you say, look, man, I know you, you gave me synthetic, so I need you to give it to me. It may be right there in their pocket visible to you, and they're going to deny that they even have it. They're not going to admit to anything. Just because of the way your demeanor was from the onset in talking to them about this situation. So, a lot of times, that in and of itself, how we approach the donor or the individual that has brought this into our facility, how we approach them is going to determine right away whether we're going to be successful in not only getting them to admit that they brought this into the facility but then to give you what it is that they gave you, okay? I know it sounds strange, and I know that it's one of those things that that you may be just banging your head against the wall trying to figure out how do I do this and not have a a full-blown confrontation with somebody. Now, what I'm going to share with you today is not foolproof. It's not 100% going to work with everyone, okay? You're going to have people that are going to deny this up and down, and they're going to refuse to do a second specimen. And it is what it is at that point. You've done everything that you can, and you document that. So understand from the get-go, we have had a lot of success in what I'm going to teach you here today on Clearing the Haze. And these are just a couple of the techniques that we've used in helping people be able to achieve that recovery of synthetic gear when people come in. And I've got to credit a lot of this from my background, having been in law enforcement, because you end up doing a lot of interviews with people. You end up having to interview people on things that that I wouldn't even dream of discussing here on a podcast with you. Uh, One, because it's just so crazy, Um, may even be inappropriate. Not only that, but it's very difficult to talk about. Um, So in that aspect of it, yes, my background helped me with that in understanding, and it's knowing how do you talk to people. The second is self-confidence. That is a big determining factor with a lot of our collectors that are out here, is having the confidence in what they're doing 
and being confident when they go to confront somebody or to talk to somebody about what it is that they brought into their facility. Let's face it, a lot of us do everything that we can to avoid confrontation. It's not comfortable, it's not enjoyable, and it's not something that that we wake up every morning and say, man, I can't wait to get into a confrontation with somebody. However, that being said, understand that this is part of our job. When we get something that we have questions about, you have to ask. You're going to have to talk to this individual. And if you don't, it's just not going to go anywhere. So you have two choices. You either confront the individual or you don't do anything about it at all. Look, I've got to look at myself in the mirror every day and know that what I did was the best that I can for not only my clients, but to help protect those that are in our community, be safe, and um, be able to go home to their families every day. So yeah, I, I take this real seriously, and I hope that you do as well. When it comes to testing these individuals, look, it's nothing against the individual, but my priority is my client. The safety of the whole program within that facility or within that workplace is a huge responsibility, not only for a DER, but also for a collector as well. Because if I do not do this process correctly and I ignore All the signs that an adulterant or a synthetic specimen has been used and I don't address it, and that individual goes out later today and gets into an accident and it turns into a fatal accident or somebody gets seriously hurt, gosh forbid, then, you know, there's going to come questions my way. Now, I didn't put that person in the car, but I did do their drug test. And if they end up doing another drug test based on the circumstances that that individual finds themselves in, and that comes back positive, then I'm going to have a little bit to answer for on my end as far as how did this person just three days prior to being hired here pass their drug test, but then when they came here, they admit to cheating on their drug test, and so now... You know, what do you do? What do you do with this type of a situation? So all these things are what we need to take into consideration. So let's go ahead and dive into the first thing that we do and how we confront somebody or we talk to somebody who has just given us a synthetic specimen. So let's fast forward into the collection process. I've got my specimen. I've already identified that this is going to be a synthetic and adulterated specimen based on my observations, what I have. So now I'm going to confront this person. There's a lot of different ways of doing this, but we do it asking non-confrontational questions, okay? So an example of this is after seeing all this, I'm going to look at the, the, the donor and I'm going to ask him sincerely, is there something that you're worried about? And I'll wait for the person to answer me. And they'll either, traditionally, they'll, they'll sit there and say, no, why do you ask? Or, no, I'm not worried about anything. And so then, at that point, then you carry on by saying, you know, usually when somebody gives me synthetic urine, it's because they're worried about smoking marijuana or something else that's going on. And based on what you gave me, this is what I'm seeing. You know, you're not at temperature. This specimen has no foam, no bubbles. The color of it is off. 
And in just smelling this, there's absolutely no smell to this at all. And then I look at the individual and I ask him again, so what is it that you're worried about? This next part is one of the hardest things to do. And that is, just be quiet. Don't say a word. This is going to be the most uncomfortable 15 to 30 seconds that you spend with this individual. And you're just going to look at them with your hand out, like, give me what you brought in. Nine times out of ten, that individual is going to admit to it. And they're going to give you what they brought into the restroom. Because you've done the other gesture of holding your hand out. And so they see this. They know the gig is up. The other thing that we're doing is subliminally with that individual, we've already told them that we know what it is. You may not. You may have great suspicion based on what you've seen there, but they don't need to know that. All they need to know is that in your experience, when an individual is caught bringing something into the facility, this is what we see. The other thing is, those of you who are mothers out there in our listening audience, and you have your children when you've dealt with them, you know when your kids are lying to you or if they're not being forthright in what they're doing. And you do what we call the mom look. You just give them that stare. And then all of a sudden, they just spill their guts. They give you everything because they know the gig is up. It's, it's very similar in this case. For those of you that are dads or guys that are out there, look, man, a lot of times we get that vibe that somebody and something is just not right. You need to go with that. So, Chuck, what happens when the person is steadfast and they're like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about? Well, then you go forward with this. Remember, we don't have to be confrontational with this individual or escalate at this point. So if it's a DOT collection, we just look at them and say, well, that's fine. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and package this up and we have to immediately go into a second collection. And that second collection has to be observed according to 49 CFR. And we have that hanging up in our restroom and we point to it. That has the directions at that point. And we explain the process of what an observed collection is. And then we look at it and we tell them, and we're going to send in the first specimen and we're going to send in the second specimen. And they're going to be able to tell which one is which. If you gave them a specimen in both cases that was yours, they're going to know that. But if not, then we know that there's something going on. So with your second one being observed, we know it came out of your body. That is what they're going to go by is that testing result. And a lot of times when you explain to them exactly what's going on, they will refuse at that point because they know the minute that you go in to do a collection that you're going to recover what it is they brought into the restroom. Or they know that when they go to use the restroom, that it's going to come back positive. So at that point, this thing may be done without any confrontation at all. A lot of times when we have these individuals and they want to start arguing with us, what we do is we look at them and we say, I'm sorry, but you have two choices. One, you can cooperate in the testing and we move on to the second collection. Or number two, you choose not to do this. And then we just sign this and you'll be on your way. So which would you like to do? And as they keep arguing with us, we keep repeating those same two questions 
there's two choices that you have right now that you can make. One of those is that we go forward after we finish this and we do the second collection immediately. Or you choose not to go through with this collection, we'll sign the paperwork and you can be on your way. So which is it that you would like to do? In most cases at that point, they're going to give us an answer either way. And we've done this without having any confrontation. Now, you can come up with your own similar language, something that's familiar to you or comfortable for you to use. But in most cases, when we've done this, we've had a high success rate in recovering synthetic urine from individuals just by using and confronting the situation as I just described to you. The other part of this equation is what we call self-confidence. A lot of times, having to confront people isn't always the easiest thing in the world to do. A lot of us do not enjoy it. A lot of us have never been placed in a position where we're looking at having to do that. But in this case, with doing this, you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to confront the donor on what your observations are and what you've seen. So with that, I want to just give you some information and some advice from one of my favorite authors. And his name is Tim Grover. And the book that I'm bringing this to you from is his book, Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. In his book, he talks about the decisions that you make and that they're not suggestions, that you know the answer. So part of that reading that I really took away that I really liked was this part of that chapter, which is... uh, in chapter six, I believe it is. Um, But this is what it says. Most people don't want to make decisions. They make suggestions. And they wait to see what everyone else thinks. So then they can say, it was just a suggestion. They know the right answer, but can't act because if something goes wrong, they'll have to take responsibility. And then they can't blame anyone else. Meanwhile, someone else is going to make a decision And when it works, he's going to get all the credit. And maybe the choice he made isn't one that works for anyone but him. But since no one else took charge, too bad for everyone else. It all comes back to this. No matter what you do in life, are you willing to make the decisions to succeed? Are you going to stand by that decision or quit when it gets hard? Will you choose to keep working when everyone else tells you to quit? Pain comes in all sorts of disguises, physical and mental and emotional. Do you need to be pain-free or can you push past it and stand by your commitment and decisions to go further? It's your choice. The outcome is on you. Just remember, you don't have to love the work, but you're addicted to the results. The most important things that we do are for our clients and helping them in maintaining a safe workplace. Now more than ever is the time that we have to be diligent in what we do for them. We have to look for this. We're getting a lot of synthetic urine in both of our uh, clinics and out on site when we're doing mobile testing. So I can only imagine that each one of you are coming across it as well. It is up to us to be diligent in knowing what to look for with this and being able to identify it and then being able to recover it so that our clients have that added assurance that, yes, 
They know what they're doing. That's why we choose them to do our drug testing. And that's why our workplace is a safe workplace to be in. One of the suggestions that I would make is having a team building activity where self-confidence is the main theme of that training, teaching people and giving them the confidence in doing what they do and in the skills that they have and what they bring to the workplace. I know that each one of our team members, when they first came here, didn't understand how to recognize synthetic urine. But now it's gotten to the point that one of our collectors, because of what she did in recognizing that an individual had brought in synthetic urine, was recognized as an expert witness in court because of that training. So that's where this type of training and this confidence can lead in helping your team members and recognizing that what they do is one, vitally important, but number two, that they're going to be able to help the employers by recognizing when somebody is cheating and they bring this in to intentionally cheat on a test. Because let's face it, if they're willing to cheat on this, what else are they going to cheat or lie about once they're employed with this employer? The topic of self-confidence and being able to confront and talk to people is a topic in and of itself and something that I'm looking at for our uh, next episode of Clearing the Haze, just because I'm not going to be able to do it justice in this segment with this question that we had on how to recover synthetic urine for, for, from individuals when they come into your facility. But understand that that's all part of it as well. Having that self-confidence that what you're doing is correct, that the training that you had in recognizing this is correct, and to have the confidence to be able to confront somebody and do it in a way that is not going to be deemed as adversarial and confrontational with that individual. It doesn't have to be. Um, and that is, that is the main point that I want to bring home is by asking open-ended questions, showing genuine concern, you're going to have more people admit to this than anybody. Just to give you a, a one-ending story on this, just recently I had an individual come in. And, of course, we went through the whole process, went in, recognized that he had given me synthetic urine. The temperature was off. There was no smell. There was no foam. There was no bubbles. The consistency of the specimen it doesn't even look like urine. It looked like water with coloring added to it. And so I advised him of this. I went through everything that I saw, and then I asked him, what is it that you're concerned about? And he just looked at me, and he said, well, I smoke weed. I said, okay. Um, and then I explained to him what the next steps were. And we contacted the DER. This was not a DOT test. And they decided that they were going to have him come back. They were going to refer him through their EAP to an individual that could help him with uh, the issues that he was having with marijuana to make sure that it wasn't something that was going to continue to uh, give him issues within the workplace. And so they're going to go through their second chance policy with this. But the coolest thing out of all of this is after this was all said and done, he comes up to me and he gives me a high five and he says, dude, I got to tell you something. You are the only person in 10 years that has caught me doing this. 
He said, I've been doing this for 10 years and nobody has looked at this like you have. Nobody even bothered to ask me if what I gave them was really mine. He said, they just went through the motions. They picked up the cup, they put it in the, in the specimen tubes, and then they sent it off. And to have somebody recognize that was a good reminder for me that these guys know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. They're counting on us not following through, not asking questions on what they give us, and to just put it in the, in the, in the vials, put it in the bag, add the chain of custody, and just send it off. In fact, how many of you have had individuals come up to you when you have asked them about what they've given you and tell you that your job is to put it in the vials and to send it off and that's it? They think that they know what our job is. And so we need to change that within our industry. We need to show them that we are professionals, that this just isn't a job that somebody does just for the, for the heck of it or because they couldn't do anything else. We're in this because we're devoted to this. We're in this because we enjoy helping employers, and this is part of that process that is involved with us identifying any safety issues within the workplace or that can arise because of substance abuse. So what it is that we do is very important, and we need to recognize that, and we need to uh, take pride in what we do and be the best that we can be at identifying this stuff and moving on and helping our employers with this. But we also need to remember our own employees need help with this as well. So I would recommend, like I said just a few minutes ago, let's start having some training with these collectors that we have. Let's help them. Even if they've gone through this, go through some scenarios with each other just to stay fresh and to stay on top of this and to have the confidence when it does happen that you and they will know what the next step is for them to take. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Clearing the Haze and that it has brought some clarity to maybe the same question that you had as to how to get this stuff from these individuals when they come into your facility. You can contact me at chuck.helpclearthehaze at gmail.com, or you can just email me at helpclearthehaze at gmail.com. Remember, your questions matter to us. If there's issues, if there's problems, if there's things that you're identifying within our industry that you would like to have some questions to, uh, questions answered, there we go, then please reach out to me. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know the answers to everything, but I do have the resources to find that answer for you and then address it here on Clearing the Haze to help all of us. Hey, if you liked today's show and it was helpful to you, please feel free to share it with other people within our industries or others that you feel would benefit from the information that was shared here today. We appreciate that. And if you have time, leave us a rating and a comment on iTunes. And uh, what we do is we will pick one or two of those comments and we will send you a free copy of Mike Kim's book, You Are the Brand. So with that, remember, it's your vision, it's your dream, and it's your business.